0: And uh, what an awesome opportunity, a privilege to just spend time uh, worshiping and looking to the Lord today. So we have a treat this morning. Um, you may have seen our guest speaker, uh, Jeff Futers, and his wife Sharon at the table already. They're both pretty tall, so it's kind of hard to miss them. But uh, um, Sharon, this is your first time with us. So great to have you. Um, let's just welcome Sharon and, and Jeff today. We just... Welcome them. So Pastor Jeff and and Sharon have pastored um, in uh, one of our larger churches uh, in the GTA for many years. And then uh, have been transitioned by the Lord into ministering to Israel. And just bringing an awareness of how we can be uh, blessing God's people and and what God's doing there. And um, for those of you that may be new this morning, about a year and a half ago, we made a decision to support two congregations in Israel, one in uh, Jerusalem, the capital nation, uh, the capital of that nation, and then one in Tel Aviv, a large city uh, in Israel as well. And so we um, are going to take up an offering at the end of the service. If you're wondering if, uh, how you can contribute, um, Jeff, Pastor Jeff will just give a little bit of an update on that. But it is so good to have you with us this morning, and I just invite you to come and, uh, and bring some greetings and bring the word today. Let's just welcome him again. Could you do that?
1: Thank you, Pastor Clark. It is a blessing to be with you again, and uh, thank you so much for welcoming us. I'm going to try and do everything here with one hand, and that's always a, a challenge. But uh, listen, we just want to say what a privilege and a joy it has been to just worship with you this morning. I, I uh, just sense the presence of the Lord here and uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I go a lot of places in Israel, visit all over the land there, and so I'm familiar with Hebrew names, but I don't think I've ever been to a church who has Yeshua on staff. Uh, uh, Yeshua, of course, you know, is the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew name for Jesus and uh, for the Messiah, Mashiach, and it's uh, just amazing to be able to be here, and what a wonderful chance that we have to share an opportunity. Can I just say thank you? Uh, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking uh, a couple of congregations in the land of Israel on your hearts and helping us to be able to lift up their arms and, and help them to do the work that they do There in the land of Israel. Just quickly, I want to bring a couple of updates. But before I do that, I'm going to get the commercial stuff out of the way. If you don't know anything about our ministry, you want to know more. uh, I think most of you would be familiar from the last time I was here. But we do have a website, firstcenturyfoundations.com. It's up there on the screen. If you're somebody who is, uh, you know, a follower of social media, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook. You want to stay up to date with what it is we're doing, where it is we are in the world, and and uh, all of that. of stuff then you can follow me uh, there there's a couple of uh, different accounts that you can check out and we would encourage you to do that we uh we really do try and keep everybody up to date not only with uh, cha- challenges that we're facing with the ministry and, and needs that we have, but also just general things of interest about the land of Israel and about supporting the Jewish people. And and uh, I know uh, we have just been experiencing so many horrific things in these last few weeks. Uh, Easter Sunday in, in Pakistan, horrible, or Sri Lanka, sorry, uh, and uh, just a horrible, horrible thing. And then yesterday, uh, a shooting at a synagogue again in San Diego. And uh, one person was murdered, another few injured. And and then, of course, you know, the the natural disaster, the flooding that we're having, not just here, but in other parts of the country. And so keep those things in your prayers. We we know that uh, Jesus is coming soon. Amen. He's coming soon, and we believe that we just have so much that we can do. We do have some product out there on the table. Since I was with you last, uh, I've written a, a short little book called Praying for the Peace of Jerusalem, and I find that when I travel to churches, everybody knows that we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're supposed to pray for Israel and Jewish people, but, but after we say the words... We're not really sure where to go from there. You know, how can I intelligently do that? And if you want to know more about that, pick up the book. Uh, It's very reasonable. It's just $10, and all of the proceeds go toward ministries in Israel. I do not receive any of that myself, and uh, we just want to encourage you to check that out. There's some other things back there as well, some Jewish music if you like uh, Hebrew worship. And one of the ministries that we help in Israel, she is a, a recording artist and does all of her own stuff. And so you can check that out as well. And uh, I think we have two children's books left as well. Uh, if you have kids, uh, there's two two books out there. It's the same book called, uh, something about Balak and Balaam. I, Did you ever wonder if Balak and Balaam could be put into a kid's story? Well, it has, and uh, you can check that out, published by the the Bible Society in Israel. So just uh, stop at the table. My wife would love to speak with you, and uh, she is such a help to me in my ministry. Thank you for welcoming her today. It's great to have her traveling more with me. Uh, Just officially, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we have added her to our team part-time. She is my... Uh, assistant she's always been my assistant but now she's going to do it officially and uh, also help us direct some of the ministry program programming here in Canada you have helped us with two congregations one in Tel Aviv uh Dugit Outreach Ministries or the Adonai Roi congregation is I think how you say that and uh it is been amazing I, I just want to quickly tell you I was there in uh February or early March one of those and uh, one of the exciting things that they're doing is they have uh, transformed an outreach center into a um, I Don't I don't even know I don't even understand this hipster language, but it's a it's a a, one of those new Coffee cafe type things if you think Starbucks is like high-end coffee This is like one above that They like oxygenate and do all kinds of interesting things. And we have been able, and when I say we, your partnership as well we've been able to help to outfit this cafe and it is a it is a bonafide business they're not it's not free because what they've discovered is that the younger generation especially in tel aviv tel aviv is the city that never sleeps it's the new york city of israel and and in tel aviv if they don't pay for something they don't think it's worth anything and so they have young adults who are coming in there now they're enjoying the coffee cafe experience we've already had testimonies of a couple of, uh, of arab young men who came in and asked questions all night of some of the staff about about why this is here and what it is you do and those two men before they left that evening uh, accepted Yeshua into their heart as their savior they took some literature a couple of bibles and and uh, they're following up with them it's amazing the outreach that's being done you're you're a part of that And then today, we're gonna take up a special offering at the end for Shemen Sasson Congregation, Pastor Yonatan Almeida. And I think I have a picture of him that we can put up on the screen. And we want to uh, just let you know that as I spoke with Pastor Clark back in February, or March, I think it was, and and said, we have this need, this congregation is going to be, uh, you know, they're gonna be put out of their building if they don't upgrade all of their electrical system and their lighting fixtures and switches and so on, and their fire alarm system, there were two things. And I said, we need need $4,000 right away. And uh, Pastor Clark was generous enough to say, you know what, as he talked to the board, we will lean into that. We'll take up a special offering for that when you're here in April. And so because I knew you were going to do that today, uh, we have already sent the money to them and uh, they have started the work. I've got just a couple of pictures. These are not real exciting photos, but uh, they have begun to replace all of their lighting fixtures. There's new switches there and and uh, some uh, fixtures still in the box. You were able to help purchase all of those. I know that that's not exciting stuff, but but i tell you what it's going to help them do the work of the ministry there in the city of jerusalem and they have uh, unbelieving people who come into their building all of the time because of the unique way that they reach out to the community through the martial arts and in uh, jiu-jitsu and so on and and i know that uh you know back in the beginning when pastor kyle was here that was one of the things that that sort of sparked in him and I just think it's such an amazing way that they're doing ministry there. And all of the growth that they have had, they've had about 30% growth in the last year and a half in their congregation, and all of it has come through the martial arts program. People coming in, learning how to do the martial arts, but also getting to meet people who believe in Jesus and hearing their stories and eventually coming to faith themselves. And they're working with them, they're discipling them, and it's been amazing to see. And so can I just say thank you, thank you in advance for what you're gonna do this morning, but thank you for your heart, for Israel and for missions worldwide. I think that's so important and I believe that when you make that a priority in your own life and in your congregation, you won't be able to help but to experience God's blessing do you believe that today I believe it with all of my heart and when we bless Israel when we bless God's chosen people the Bible is distinct it's clear that we will also be blessed and so thank you so much for that well I want to I want to preach this morning is that okay I only have about well we'll be okay We'll be okay but let's look at john chapter 10. one of the uh, the the things that i love to sort of draw out of of scripture and and uh, its context and the sort of the hebraic roots of our faith understanding uh, not just not just the the faith of of judaism but understanding the culture the hebrew context the culture in which uh, we learn and so uh, today we're going to look at an i am statement of jesus uh, jesus said this many many times and here's what i want you to understand about using that phrase okay when jesus said i am when he said i am the the hebrew people the jewish people would immediately associate that with something from their history with somebody named moses who encountered a burning bush and and out of the bush came the voice that said uh, you know, Moses said, who will I tell the Egyptians? Who will I tell Pharaoh who's sending me? And and God said from the burning bush, tell them I am that I am has sent you. Tell them I am that I am has sent you. And when Jesus comes making statements like I am the bread of life and I am the light of the world and, and all of those things, I am the good shepherd is what we want to talk about today. When he came making those statements, their ears would perk up and they would associate him immediately with this, amazing amazing story from their history and so we're going to look at this together john chapter 10 if you have your bibles i want you to open them to john chapter 10 and leave them open there because we're going to come back and and reference uh, a little bit more throughout the morning but here's what it says beginning at verse 11 i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep the hired hand is not the shepherd does not own the sheep the hired hand uh, is so so when he sees the wolf coming he abandons the sheep and he runs away and then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep but i am the good shepherd i know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep i have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold or sheep pen and i must bring them also they too will listen to my voice And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Will you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful today. Lord, for the caring heart of the shepherd. God, as we have worshipped this morning, we we know that you are our shelter, that you are our refuge. And we've been reminded this morning just how powerful that is in the storms of our lives. And God, we want to just again reflect on this thought about you being our good shepherd. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive, and that, God, you would transform us by your Spirit as we come around your word today. Let it be alive to us this morning. Let it not just stir us, but let it it change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm the good shepherd. And I want to jump right in. And what I want us to do this morning is just to ask three quick, important questions about about how we can understand the full meaning of what Jesus is trying to say to us through this statement. And as we answer those, we're going to be able to better understand the full meaning. The first question is this, what's the context? What is the context of this statement Now, unlike some of his statements in the Gospels, Jesus doesn't make this one around a specific location or a specific event or a specific festival. Instead, he makes this statement in order to frame for us an illustrative story or a parable for those who are listening. So we need to ask this question, who's listening? Who's listening? Well, the Pharisees are listening. If you go back, uh, you'll find that Jesus had just had an encounter with some Pharisees about their spiritual blindness. They didn't really like that very much. But, but, you know, he had healed a man who was born blind. And his words to the Pharisees had not been all that complimentary earlier in the chapter. So they're listening when Jesus began to talk about the sheep and the gate and the shepherd. We also know there's others who are listening there because it tells us so later in our text. It speaks of many Jews who were listening and heard Jesus' words and who were still divided in their opinions of him. And so we know he's speaking to a Jewish audience today, some of whom were definitely spiritual leaders in their culture. That's who is listening. But here's another question inside of this context question, and that's this. How would what Jesus is saying to them about sheep and about shepherds, how would they receive that? How would they understand that? How would it be significant to those who are listening? You know, those of us who are not really that in touch with say shepherding culture or agriculture and I assume that there would be some here who are but to many who are not at first blush this good shepherd language probably doesn't resonate a whole lot but to the Jewish people I want you to know something it was significant for them when you think of shepherds in the Bible what's the very first thing that comes to your mind quick first thing sorry sheep okay that's good what's the next thing christmas did somebody say christmas christmas that's what i think of when i think think of shepherds i think of that story the shepherds on the hillside out there in bethlehem and we think of this we we talk about them we've seen the shepherds in every christmas play and sung about them at every christmas eve service the lowly shepherds but were they lowly really not really Not in Jewish culture. Many of the other cultures, the Egyptians, the Romans, they they despised shepherds. But in Jewish culture, these were people who had chosen this as their profession, and for centuries, herding sheep and livestock had been their signal or sign of wealth and status. The larger the flocks the more wealthy you were. Think about this. It's a culture of agriculture, and herding sheep is a long-handed-down legacy of the people of Israel. Their patriarch, a guy named Abraham, was a shepherd. We know that. When they went up from Egypt, Abraham and his nephew Lot had amassed large flocks, large herds. Later, Jacob, who would be renamed Israel, worked with Laban's flocks for 14 years in order to earn Laban's daughters, Rachel and Leah. Rachel must have been something special, don't you think? She must have been. 14 years it took for for Jacob to earn her. Before all was said and done, though, Jacob had amassed large flocks of his own. And by the time that he left Haran to return to his homeland in the land of Canaan, it was amazing the, the wealth he had amassed and gathered. Jacob was a shepherd. When Joseph sent for his family to come to the land of Egypt. He instructed his father Jacob and his brothers to identify themselves to Pharaoh as what? Shepherds. Why? So that the Egyptians would give them the good land, the land of Goshen, outside of the city in Genesis chapter 46. These Jewish people who were listening, they were familiar with shepherd language and shepherd culture. They would completely understand this analogy that Jesus is giving their hero Moses who had led their ancestors out of slavery and bondage in Egypt, was a shepherd. He tended his father-in-law's flocks on the backside of the desert. And then in the Old Testament, God himself was actually referred to as a shepherd. Listen to this in Psalm 78 and verse 52. It says, but he brought his people out like a flock, speaking of the Lord, and he led them like sheep through the wilderness. The prophet Isaiah Talking about the sovereign Lord in Isaiah 40 and verse 11 says, "He tends his flock like a shepherd, and he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those to ha- those who have young. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our Father God? And so we understand shepherd analogy means something to the jewish people the psalmist king david a shepherd boy himself when god found him wrote some of the most famous words in all of scripture what did he write in psalm 23 the lord is my my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures and so it's against this backdrop of jewish culture that jesus makes his statement i am the good shepherd i am the good shepherd so that's the context here's the next question clarification why did he call himself the good shepherd why would he use this kind of language you see throughout the gospels jesus at different times tried to tell the people who he was sometimes he tried to tell them very directly like when he performed the messianic miracles do you know there were four miracles in in uh, rabbinic tradition that the rabbis had had decreed the rabbis themselves in in ancient jewish culture had decreed that only the messiah will be able to perform these four miracles and when jesus came he performed every single one of them and each time he performed one of those miracles like the one earlier in this chapter healing the man born blind the rabbi said only messiah will be able to do this and when jesus performed those kinds of miracles He was saying to them very directly, guess what? I'm him. I am Mashiach. I am the Messiah. But here, Jesus is a little more indirect. He's he's hinting a, a little more in this particular instance. And so we understand he's still sending the same message. But when he calls himself the good shepherd, it's a little more cryptic. And those listening would have to think a little more in order to make the connection. But it was definitely there. All they had to do was to get it. And so in the context of Jewish Hebraic culture, by calling himself the good shepherd, Jesus was at the very least aligning himself with all of these other incredible shepherds from Israel's past, but also he's aligning himself with God, his father, who it says of him that that he, he led them like a shepherd. And at the same time, think about this. He's not just aligning himself with all these good shepherds, okay? He's he's contrasting himself with the bad shepherds the pharisees if you go back and we don't have time to look at it today but jeremiah 23 speaks about the 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 shepherds and it says there in that prophecy woe to the shepherds strangely familiar language uh, similar to the words jesus himself used about these pharisees woe to you teachers of the law you pharisees and all the things that you do, and the burdens you place on, on the people of Israel. So there's that, but perhaps even more convincing than this connection between the shepherd language of the Old Testament about great leaders and about God himself is a very specific prophecy we find in Micah chapter 5 about the Messiah, where it says this, but you, Bethlehem, you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Have you heard that prophecy before? Sure you have. But we don't always go to the next verse, do we? We sometimes stop there. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and we know that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. But here's what it says in the next verse. It says, he will stand And shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And so the Messiah was prophesied to be a shepherd, not just a shepherd, but the shepherd, the good shepherd. And so we have Jesus making this statement. He's saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. And he was also giving giving some incredible clues and insight into what the Messiah is like and what the Messiah is would do. You know, rabbis in Jesus' time were known for using word pictures and and real-life scenarios to illustrate what it was they were teaching. And, And Jesus, he was a master at this. He never, ever explained anything without using some kind of visual, some kind of word picture, some kind of scenario that would help people understand. We see it over and over again in the Gospels. And here in John chapter 10, what he does for us is he paints two very specific pictures about shepherding culture that help us to know what the messiah is like so let's go back to the beginning of chapter 10 because jesus in in the first scene this first scenario when he begins to talk about the sheep and the pen and the pen and the gate he says some things that that help us he paints this scene that that is that of a sheep pen within a town or within a village and there's there's distinction we want to make here so this one is inside the village because typically in jewish or or middle eastern culture when the sheep were pasturing close enough to the village what would happen is is that at night in the evening the shepherd would bring the sheep back inside of town and quite often they would have a pen that was built on the back of their homes it would be built with walls about five feet high it would be very secure it would have a gate there would be uh, thorns and and other sharp objects put in the the mortar along the top of the fence so that thieves could not get over and get in and and steal and this is the picture that jesus is explaining here when he says that that he is you know he is the gate and he is the 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 the, the good shepherd if a family only had a few sheep, sometimes they would bring them right into the front room on the, on the main level of their home. But most often they would have this, this outdoor kind of sheep pen. And so in this first scenario, the threat that Jesus is talking about is the threat of thieves and robbers who come with ill intent and who come to try to, to get into the sheep pen a different way and to steal the sheep. But the shepherd, he says, enters by the gate and he calls out, to the watchman who knows his voice as well, and they listen to it. He calls them by name, the sheep, and he leads them out, it says, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. It's a beautiful and amazing picture of the care and the leadership of the Savior. I want to stop there for just a second. Uh, he calls them by name, and he leads them out, and they follow because they know his voice. I was reading a, a book a while back, and there was a little bit of a, a story there that kind of caught my attention. And the writer uh, in, in uh, I think, about 100 or 150 years ago was writing about being in the, the hills of Bashan, which we now know as the Golan Heights. And here's what he observed uh, in this one community where he was. He said, the shepherds left their flocks or led their flocks forth from the gates of the city. They're going out in the morning with all of their flocks. And, and he said they were there in full view. We watched them. We, we listened to them with with great interest. Thousands of sheep and goats were grouped in dense, confused masses. And he said the shepherds stood together until all, all of them got outside the city. And then they separated. And each shepherd, take, taking a different path, began to utter as he advanced a shrill, peculiar call you've heard farmers do this no doubt with their cattle or with uh, maybe their horses they have their own little whistle their own little sound their own and each of these shepherds in this this account this true account had their own sound and he said that while they watched he said the sheep heard the sounds and at first he said the the masses of sheep moved and swayed as if shaken by some internal convulsion and then he said different groups of sheep and goats struck out in the direction taken by the shepherds ahead of them. These became longer and longer until the confused masses were resolved into long living streams flowing, each of them after their own shepherd, after their own leaders. It is an amazing, amazing picture as we think about how the sheep have this instinct to know their shepherd's voice. The other imagery that Jesus introduces in this first scenario of the, of the sheep and the sheep pen in the village is that he, Jesus himself, is the gate for the sheep. He says that in verse 7, and that through him the sheep go in and out and they find pasture. This gives us a sense of safety, it doesn't, it a sense of, of security. Thieves and robbers only come to kill and steal and destroy. This is a picture of, of death, but Jesus, through Jesus we have life and we have it to the full, we have it more abundantly, and we go in and out safely, and we find pasture through him. might seem a little confusing to us at first. How can Jesus be the sheep, or the shepherd, the good shepherd, and also the gate? You ever think about that before? How can he be both? He's either got to be one or the other, doesn't he? Well, that's where the second scenario comes in, because as we read through the chapter, this text that we just read together, is a different picture that Jesus is painting in in verse 11. He speaks of the threat of wolves who come to attack the sheep. Now remember, in town, in the village, the sheep pen is behind the house, it's well secured, and really the threat there is is thieves and robbers and others who come with ill intent. There are no wolves in town because they're, they're a skittish animal. They stay to themselves out in the wilderness. But in this second scenario... We, we see a different picture because often when a shepherd would have to take the sheep uh, out to, to pasture further and further away from the village because, you know, the grass was not available closer in, oftentimes they would find themselves uh, in a place where they didn't have time to go home for the night and they would have to make camp and they would have to figure out the best way to protect the sheep while they're out in the, out in the wilderness. And this is the picture that Jesus paints for us here in this second part of the text. And so we see a sharp contrast here between the shepherd of the sheep and a hired hand. The true shepherd or the good shepherd would stand and fight off the wolf out in the wilderness. Jesus talks about the wolves who come. But the hired hand would run away and abandon the flock because he doesn't actually care for the sheep. He's just there for a paycheck, okay? I'm so glad that, uh, you know, that, that our, our pastors in our fellowship are not just there for a paycheck, aren't you? that they are true shepherds. Aren't you glad for your shepherd today? Amen. Uh, you, don't, amen. you don't just have a, a hired hand. You have somebody who truly cares for the people and who truly shepherds the flock. And this is the picture that Jesus paints for us. The shepherd boy, we think about David. Uh, he comes to mind fighting off the bear and fighting off uh, the, the, uh, the lion who came to carry sheep off from his flock. That's a good shepherd. And so, here's the second picture. As Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Lays down his life for the sheep. He goes on, and in verse 15, it says, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and again he says it, I lay down my life for the sheep. It's significant. And I want you to know why it's significant. Of course, we know, you know, from, from context now, from history, we know it's significant because Jesus ultimately gave his life on the cross for us. We just celebrated Good Friday and Easter and the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made. And by the way, he's not just the good shepherd and the, the gate. He's also our Passover lamb. There's just so much imagery here. And Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could have eternal life. But, so we know that he laid down his life for us. But it's also significant in light of what Jesus said earlier in the chapter about being the gate. And I want to get back to this. Confusing. He's the shepherd, but he's also the gate. When he said, I'm the gate, this is what he meant. And here's the picture he was painting for them and the picture that he paints for us. You see, when the shepherd was with the flock in the wilderness overnight, he didn't have a pen to put the sheep in. That was back behind his house. He couldn't bring that with him. And so what he had to do is he had, had to build a, a makeshift pen out there in the wilderness. And he would take as many larger rocks that he could lift and move them into kind of a, a circular fashion. He would uh, use brush and, and other big pieces of, uh, of logs and, and branches that he could find so that there in the wilderness he could make uh, a, a, little, a little, they call them a sheep coat. In, in Israel. As a matter of fact, you can go and see some of these out in the Negev wilderness. Some of the remains of them from ancient times are still there with stones all placed together where shepherds would, would bring their flocks inside. And he would, he would arrange it so that it was, it was in more than a semicircle, almost a complete circle, but at the very front. He would leave a, a space, an opening about three and a half or four feet wide. And out in front of the opening, he would build a fire so that, so that the fire hopefully would deter any of the wild animals and, and things that would come to, to destroy and to carry off the sheep. But then he would do something else very significant. Before it was time for him to, to rest himself, the shepherd would take and he would put his bedroll down across that three-and-a-half or four-foot opening and literally lay on the ground between the threat outside and the sheep inside the pen. Do you see the beauty of this this morning? He is the good shepherd, but he's also the gate. And being the gate, he is prepared to lay down his life, literally lay down across the opening to the sheep pen so that the sheep are protected. Jesus cares for you like that. He cares for me like that. He is our protection. He is our gate. He is our shepherd. And he sacrifices his life for the sheep. He lays down his life. In Isaiah 53, we have this incredible picture of the suffering servant. And and it prophesies there that the Messiah will lay down his life, that he will take on himself our pain and, and bear our suffering and that he will die, that he will be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And then end up in a grave. And all of this will happen for one reason, Isaiah said, because of our wandering ways. And look what it compares us to in verse 6 in Isaiah 53. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's such a powerful picture. There is no greater love, John says in in. Chapter 15, then for someone to lay down their life for a friend. He promised he would never leave us. He promised he would never forsake us. Matthew 28 and 20, he says, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's always with us. He's always with us. But here's the question that I think I want to ask you at the end of this amazing story. I mean, so we know Jesus is the good shepherd. We know that he, he's the gate, that he lays down his life for us. We know that, that what he said was, you know, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. And that's really the big question. Do we know his voice do we recognize him when he speaks to us can we hear and understand his voice remember earlier we talked about the fact that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and and that story about them following the shepherds i want you to watch a video here it's just a couple of minutes and i'll probably cut it short Uh, i apologize in advance the quality the sound quality is a little bit not the greatest you can hear some wind noise in here but we need to turn it up so that you can really understand the power of what's happening let's watch together fade out the sound and and turn that off. Isn't that amazing? That video goes on for another minute and a half or so and they just keep coming. They come from all directions. Folks, this is what Jesus is saying. My sheep, they know my voice. They listen and they follow. They listen and they follow. And the last question is is about what we do in response to Jesus' statement, I am the good shepherd. What's the call to action? What's the appropriate response to this statement? You know, the National Center for Voice and Speech in Denver, Colorado says this, voices are as distinctive as our faces. No two are exactly alike. Some will go as far as saying that they are as distinctive as fingerprints. You've seen all those movies where voice recognition is used for high level security, right? Or maybe you've been somewhere. There's something unforgettable about a familiar voice, isn't there? It's in the, the timber of the voice. It's in the lilt, the tone. You ever been somewhere, heard a voice behind you and thought, hey, I know that voice? And you turned around and sure enough, there he was, Pastor Clark, standing behind you at Starbucks or Tim Hortons or wherever it is he gets his coffee, right? It, it's, it happens to us. I remember our kids were small. Sharon uh, had been out with uh, our children and a couple of their friends in the car and she was, she was in a car accident. Uh, she was T-boned by another driver. And my phone rang, I was sitting in my office at the church and, and I picked up the phone and all I said was, hello. All I said was, hello, maybe you've had an experience like this. You know, up until that moment, she had kept it all together. She had talked to the policemen, she had given her statement, she had, she had you know, comforted the kids and did whatever she had to do. She was, she was doing so great, but she heard my voice and the moment she heard my voice, can you guess what happened? She just burst into tears. Not because she was sad, but because there's a familiar voice on the end of the line, and now she could just kinda let her emotions go. That's the kind of response that that we need to have when when Jesus, our good shepherd, calls us, and when he speaks to us, we need to to know his voice. You know, if we read a little further on in the text, Jesus goes to, to Hanukkah, to the Feast of Dedication in the temple, and when he is there, more people come to him, and they say, stop keeping us in suspense. If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, just." Tell us already. And here's what Jesus says to them. I did tell you, but you're not listening. You're not listening. And then again in verse 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let me ask you this. Do you recognize God when he is speaking to you? Can you hear his voice? Are you listening? Are you listening? The appropriate response for us today is just like it says in John 10:27: it's to listen and to follow to listen and to follow don't miss the shepherd's voice in a world where all kinds of voices are trying to get our attention he is calling to you to you today he's calling to me today and it's easy to get distracted by all the other voices that we hear isaiah 30 and 21 says this whether you turn to the right or to the left your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it you say well how can i hear god's voice how can i know the voice of the shepherd he speaks to us to his, through his word he he speaks to us through the bible read your bible every day but do more than read it ask god what is it that you are saying to me through this we used to lead our our people through a, a, an exercise in our church where they would they would have to you know write down the scripture make an observation uh think about an application You know, God, what is it that you're saying to me? How can I apply this verse that's come so alive to me today? How can I apply it to my life and make a change? And then we would encourage them to pray about that very thing. And then we need to pray, not just read the Bible and listen for God's voice, but to pray and don't just talk at God. Uh, We need to be reminded sometimes that prayer is a two-way communication, don't we? Because sometimes it's really easy to just talk, 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 talk. God, I have this need. God, I have this request. God, here's what's happening. Lord, this is how I'm feeling. Uh, All kinds of things about about what we want to get through to God. And we don't take the time to listen so that God can get through to us. Call to me, Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you. Isn't that a great promise? Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things. That you do not know. Folks, I came to tell you today that the shepherd is speaking. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's speaking for and he wants us to listen and he wants us to do something about what we hear. He wants us to follow. I don't know what he's speaking to, to you about today. I have no idea who's in this room. Maybe you're here and you don't know the shepherd, you've never invited Jesus to come into your heart and to be your personal Savior, I want you to know that he might be speaking to you through these words this morning. He has laid down his life for you. He has given his life so that you could have eternal life and forgiveness of your sin. And if you'll just listen to hear his voice today and you will follow, I promise you, he'll come into your heart. He'll change your life forever. And you can... You can serve him as, as someone who knows th- that he is the shepherd and that he loves you and he wants to lead you. And if that's you today, you just need to whisper a simple little prayer and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Forgive me of my sin. And if you pray that prayer, I know that something amazing is going to happen for you. And, and you need to tell somebody that you did that this morning. Maybe you're here today and, and God's speaking to you about any number of other things Maybe he's speaking to you about going and and filling sandbags this afternoon. Maybe that's what he's saying to you today. Maybe he's speaking to you about about spending time in prayer every day for for God's chosen people and and the people of Israel. And if if he's speaking to you that way today, then stop by the, the table before you leave and just sign up for our prayer bulletin. We'd love to send you that every couple of months so that you'll have specific things to pray about, a different ministry every day that you can bring to the Lord in prayer for the people of Israel. But the good shepherd is calling to us. He's calling to us. And I want you to just be reminded of that today. We've heard that he's our strength, he's our refuge, he's our fortress. We've heard that he's our shepherd and that he has laid down his life for us, literally across the opening to the pen, he's laid down his life. He gave his life on Calvary so that we could have eternal life, amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would, uh, Lord, just challenge our hearts today, that, God, you would help us to, to reflect and to think about what we've heard this morning. Lord, may it truly make a difference in our hearts and lives. We give ourselves to you in a fresh and a new way. And, God, if there's anyone here who's making this decision to follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd, for the very first time this morning, I pray that you would, Lord, just help them to whisper that simple little prayer to invite you in, and then to tell somebody about that decision that they made this morning. We thank you, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Just gonna invite you to stand.